Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. The eternal perspective, knowing that there's more to life than this life, is the thing that really um, sustains us yeah. in, in times of suffering. This series, we're studying First Peter, and I am so glad you're here. Today, we're looking at 1 Peter 4, 1 through 12, and my guest today is family minister, Pastor Christy Becker at uh, Calvary Church, where actually I go to church, and Christy is also someone that I get to call a friend. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Angie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So before we get started, would you read 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11? I will, and I'm reading from the NLT. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain... You must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had, and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> wow, there's a lot in here. There is. I mean, the whole book, this whole book of First Peter is just jam-packed, which is why we had to divide. You know, in the past, we've done a whole chapter, but in here... It was, nope, there's just so much that we need to start splitting yeah, things up a little bit. bite-sized pieces. Yeah, exactly. So what stands out to you in this well, passage? Well, a, a number of things. The first thing that I was thinking is in my, in, in my Bible, the NLT that I'm looking at, the section header is living for God. And I was kind of thinking about how that first section contrasts what it looks like to live for God what it, to what it looks like to live for yourself. So I kind of mm-hmm. just made, like was kind of making a list of some of those things. Living for God means suffering um, with the attitude of Christ, being finished with sin and doing the will of God. Versus living for self is chasing your own desires and then that whole list of immorality mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was really, I was really struck by a couple of things in that. Um, just the idea of suffering with the attitude of, of Christ. Thinking about, you know, obviously we know that Christ suffered um, and it's through his suffering that we receive salvation and it's through his suffering that we know that he understands our suffering. There's like a, a, a union that we have with Christ in, in, in when we suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, but just thinking about what was his attitude when he, when he suffered. And that's kind of a interesting question to ponder. And um, 
I don't know. I was just trying to think back to the story of Christ's passion and think about what was what was that like? I mean, I think he leaned on his father. He 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 willingly submitted to what was happening. Um, you know, earlier in First Peter, there's talk about submission to be, submitting to authority and um, thinking about how he had to submit to the you know the the local authority that mm-hmm. was that was punishing him and crucifying him. Um, so he submitted to that, but he was also leaning on God and looking to God, his father for comfort and even for relief. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, well, even beforehand, I mean, even going into it, when he knew what was coming, when he was in the garden, he was saying, Lord, please take this cup from right. me and said it three times. Right. And then said, and then submitted by saying, but not my will yes. will be done. Yes. And kind of, it was like, he knew that while he was submitting to this local authority that was that was punishing him on the the cross he ultimately was submitting to god's authority and he knew what god's ultimate plan was mm-hmm. and I, I i wonder about that in our you know in our own lives as we submit to the things the, the as we submit to the suffering around us i i know they don't say submit to suffering but you know we're experiencing suffering and sometimes the suffering we experience is related to the the authority that we're needing to submit to um but knowing that that God is the ultimate authority and God mm-hmm. has a bigger, a bigger plan. And we can kind of rest, we can rest in that. That makes the suffering bearable knowing that God is ultimately in control and that, that, and, and Jesus demonstrated that really well. I think that mm-hmm. kind of contrast between the, the here and now and the, the, the what's next in the, in the greater scheme of things. Yeah. And to the, to your point about how did Jesus walk through that suffering? What was his attitude right. during suffering? I mean, the, uh, what I think of is him, him, hanging on the cross for us, for the people that were around him. And he said, forgive them, God, they don't know what they're doing. Like as they are actually killing him, that I think that says a lot about, (laughs) I think that says a lot about his attitude. And I find that very convicting. Yeah. So the, yeah, the, the willingness to forgive those who were doing him wrong in the midst of them doing him wrong. Yes. Yes. While also it was, it was that forgiveness, but also the still staying connected to his father mm-hmm. through it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, um, recently this last week went to the funeral of that, a funeral that made me really, that I really thought of when I was reading this passage. Um, there's a young woman, um, named Britta who passed away a couple weeks ago. She, uh, was 42 and she was, she's someone that, that Angie, we both know, we both mm-hmm. know her. And, um, she was born with spina bifida and spent her whole life in a wheelchair. She had 22 surgeries during her life. And um, she, um, you know, finally succumbed to her, uh, to the... Her body couldn't take it the, any longer. The disability. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just her, she was, Britta was a person that was just so full of joy. And anyone who met her will remember her forever. And, you know, just anyone she met was a friend and she loved Jesus so much. And that was so evident. But at the funeral, as they talked about all of the wonderful um, things about Britta, they also talked about the fact that she experienced a lot of pain. I think she would lived her life in such a joyful way that you kind of just thought, oh, she's in a wheelchair and she's so joyful. But you didn't you didn't think about, you didn't know that she had had 22 surgeries yeah. and all that came with that, the, the, the challenges, the suffering, the pain. And, um, I think, you know, for me, it was just really neat as I was reading this passage to think about a real living example of someone who truly 
new suffering beyond what I know. Mm -hmm. Um, And constant, um, ongoing, mm -hmm. and, you know, never, her whole life. Yes. Her whole life she had to deal with that. I just, I wasn't able to make it to the funeral, but watched it last night. And they were talking about her, when her husband spoke, he read a poem that was, that hangs up in their room. And it, it was all about being in a wheelchair and the choice that she made. I'm assuming since it was hanging on the wall in her bedroom, the choice she made every day to to choose joy in the midst of what she was experiencing and the disabilities that she was living with. Right. And she had an, an, an eternal perspective. She mm-hmm. knew that her destiny was um, eternity and heaven with Jesus. And, and that was so evident um, in the words that were shared at the funeral, too. And I think that is... That is the perspective that allowed her to persevere through the pain and have joy in the pain. Um, her family said that in the last couple of weeks as she was in hospice, people would come to visit her and they, the, her friends and would come and they would be so sad saying goodbye to this dear friend. And Britta was in the role of comforter. She mm-hmm. comforted them and she, you know, she, she demonstrated just this, this hope in what was ahead. And um, just what a beautiful, what a beautiful testimony. That is. And, and to think about, I did a, a Bible study years and years ago, and I think it was a Beth Moore Bible study, and she was talking about Christ's suffering and everything that came from his suffering, which was our salvation. And salvation cannot come from our suffering, but there is a lot of good that he can do through our suffering. You know, he can use it to, to hone us, to make us more like him. Um, in the case of Britta, I mean, her whole funeral and the way that she lived was about Jesus. And so, you know, we won't know how many people who came in contact with her either were encouraged in their faith or, you know, were introduced to Jesus because of Britta and the way that she lived. And so that there's, we don't know. We don't, we don't know all that can be accomplished through our suffering. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And, you know, I, again, I think the thing that just probably hit me most. And even as I'm just processing it right now is just that idea of the eternal perspective, knowing mm-hmm. that there's more to life than this life is the thing that really um, sustains us yeah. in, in times of suffering. And then I think that kind of another thing that, that kind of leads me to the other thing that jumped out at me in this passage in verse two, it says, you won't spend, you know, if you've, if you've suffered for Christ, you're finished with sin, and you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. Um, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And I thought, that's interesting, the word anxious there. You will be anxious to do the will of God. And I was thinking about, oh, so often the anxiety that I have in my life <laughs> is not about doing the will of God. It's about more about chasing my own desires. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like this the two sides of this equation. You know, my anxiety is around... Um, you know, things that are much more temporal and earthly and about myself and what I want, um, what other people think of me, um, you know, rather. And, and I thought just what a great challenge that I don't want to be anxious about those things. I want to be I want my focus to be on doing the will of God in my life. And and if I'm spending a lot of my time and energy being anxious about, you know, what, you know, what, what I'm going to what I'm going to wear <laughs> or, you know, um, some of those kinds of things, um, then that's less energy than I can spend towards focusing on on God and and living the life that He wants me to live and doing His will. What? I, yeah, I appre- I 
I felt like this was a little bit of a challenge for me. It made me think of two things. It made me think of, so when I was 19 is when I made a decision to follow Christ. I, you know, knew a lot about him. Like, you know, the president, you know who he is, you know who his kids are, but I don't know him personally. And I didn't, I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know him personally. So when I came to know him personally, then there was a change and I didn't, I came to understand that I knew I needed to die for it to self and live for Christ. And so I made that, you know, first decision and then have come to learn in the last nearly 30 years that, um, that that's a daily thing. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. I I have to daily die to myself. And so this, so there is that, there is that moment, I think when we choose to follow God, but then there's also, you know, what people would call the sanctification process of becoming more like Christ. But I think it takes that daily dying to self. And I would say, you know, I, in the last, I can say definitively in the last 30 years, my desire to do God's will has grown more, you know, is more now than it was 30 years ago. But I, I felt like this was a, I don't know. I felt it was like, a, it was a little challenging, a little convicting. Yeah, I think, I think it is. And I think uh, we would, I think both you and I would say, yes, we're living for God. We're committed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're committed to serving Christ and doing his will. Of, of course I'm living, I want to live for God and not for myself. But when I look at this list that I made of what living for God means um, versus what living for self means, it is just a good check-in that, you know, I say I'm living for God, but I still yeah, struggle I? with, I still mm-hmm. really struggle with chasing my own desires. Um, but living for, and when I'm chasing my own desires, I'm probably avoiding suffering and I'm, you know, I'm probably trying to push those yeah. things off. <laughs> and um, this is just a good, this is just a good checkpoint, I think, for us to, to remember what it means to, to live for God. Yeah, so good. So what else is, what else stood out to you in the, in the passage? Um, I think, the, I think the next theme uh, probably started in, um, well, the next theme I think was just kind of around judgment, you know, like when we're living for God, mm-hmm the world may judge us. They may not understand the choices that, that we make. Um, I haven't, I, I can't completely relate to, um, I can't completely relate to the, the thing about, you know, I, you used to do all of these evil things in the past and people are going to be surprised that you no longer plunge into that. I mean, I've been like a good girl my whole life, you know, <laughs> like I've been, I've been following, I've, I've known Jesus my whole life and I never struggled with, you know, like the, the party scene mm-hmm. or, or those kinds of things. So I have a little bit of a hard time, um, relating to that, but just that idea of the world, not understanding you that I get mm-hmm. and the world maybe judging me for people who are not living for God, judging me for the way that I'm living my life. I I think, and I think some anxiety comes from that when we, when we jump back to that idea of, of anxiety, but just, um, you know, Peter says that, um, you know, there's judgment that comes from the world, but to remember that ultimately there's going to be, um, God judging all of us. And that's why it's so important that the good news is preached Mm -hmm. and, um, and and because that judgment is actually coming soon, verse seven says the end of the world is coming soon. And then he goes on to kind of tell us how how then do do we live in light of that? And 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 the way I kind of was thinking about it was how do we live with how do we live 
and interact with those who are not living for God, for those who are living for self and for those who might be judging us. And then he just goes on to this, you know, really great instructive practical list of of how to live. You know, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Show deep love because love covers a multitude of sins. I mean, love doesn't, isn't, you know, our loving people isn't the equivalent of God's forgiveness. But when we're interacting with a with people who are not living for God and who have different values, our default should be to love them, to mm-hmm. pray for them, to show hospitality to them. And um, that's really what God is instructing us uh, to, to do here. And I think that's just a great word in a world that we're living in where there's so much division between people who are um, between the church and people who are not in the church. Um, and, and um, I don't know that that's always our default to love, pray and show hospitality in mm-hmm. those situations. Mm-hmm. I think we want to, especially culturally mm-hmm. I, that is not, I mean, in our kind of individualistic culture, there's not, you know, and so we're in Minnesota and there's the whole thing about Minnesota nice. And then people, you know, move to Minnesota and people are pleasant, but they're, usually are not going to invite you to their home. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Like, I'll, I'll be pleasant and I'll have a conversation with you, but I'm not going to go any deeper. It's kind of like when I've talked to people who from the outside of Minnesota have moved in. And I really took that to heart and thought, oh, my goodness, that that's true. I mean, I, I can see that now that you've pointed that out and the importance of, you know, inviting people into your home and loving and and defining what love is too that it's an it's an active serving you know kind of love that i think that he's talking about here yeah we're talking about more than like a surfacey minnesota nice i mean right. he says a a deep love mm-hmm. for each other and to be earnest and disciplined in your prayers beyond i mean earnest yeah. and disciplined in your prayers goes beyond telling someone that you will pray for them um, it actually means praying for them yeah. or praying with them in the moment. Well, and, and I mean, those those words earnestly, you know, in, before he's anxious, like there's a uh, behind what Peter seems to be saying here. Yeah, like, there's a, a an urgency or a, mm-hmm. like from the like this is passionate from, words. Yes, yes. And some of it I feel, you know, I think it's helpful to remember Peter, who Peter was as a, you know, as a person, what we, you know, learned about him, like I saw the first season of The Chosen and Peter is just, you know, fiery and Peter's the one that cut the the guard's ear off when they came to arrest Jesus, to, like that he's, that he is passionate. And, you know, I think a lot of this letter is, is things that he's learned. Like he just really wants people to understand, like, like you need to know this. You need to know this because you're life and your, you know, the, your life depends on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then he talks about service. He talks about, um, you know, that, and I think this is still kind of under this umbrella of, um, time is short. How do we live with those, with people who are not living for God? And, and, you know, he goes on to talk about the, the fact that he gives us spiritual gifts for this, for this, for this reason to serve one another, to, um, you know, to help and to speak and to do it, do it all for the glory of God. Um, and so I think, you know, as what a great formula, you know, how do, how do we, the end is, the end is coming. The good news needs to be preached and we need to live a life of love, hospitality and service all for, all for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully that the people that we're judging will go from judging to, oh, like 
there's something different about her. Yes. And isn't that, is, don't they talk about that just in a previous chapter? Doesn't Peter talk about that? Um, about, I think in the section about husbands and, husbands and wives, he talks about how when a wife submits to her husband, um, an unbelief, she's demonstrate she's demonstrate, she's, she's pointing to God. Yes. Um, for instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him to her master. You are her daughters, and when you do what is right without fear of what your husband might do. Wait, that's not it. Um, well, just the very beginning of, of chapter 3. Um, wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands. I, I listened to that episode. That was that was good. I liked hearing what you guys had to say <laughs> about that. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior yes. of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. And I think that same kind of concept applies to outside of the marriage relationship. Like the way that we live our lives when we're living for God, we're living stones. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's a testimony. And it's, it's not that we need to... Um, it, it is through love and hospitality and service that that we do show the world who God is and what it means to live for Him. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. What so and at the end here, it's talking a little bit about you know your gifting. If your gifting is speaking, then speak. If you if your gifting is helping others, then do it with all all in your strength and energy that God supplies. What you know? What is what would you say is your gifting, or where? How have you seen? You know, how have you lived that out? Oh, wow. Well, I think I think without getting specific about gifting, because that's a that's a hard that's a little bit of a hard question to answer um, for me at the moment. But like, I just think in some ways it just compels you to um, it compels me to say yes to opportunities that God presents to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, or that are presented to me, you know, for example, this morning when I got a text message from you saying like, Hey, are you, do you have time to come and record a podcast today? And I thought, Oh my goodness, that sounds, uh, that's, that sounds a little, uh, scary. I have a little anxiety. (laughs) I have a little, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I've been following along in this, in this, um, in this series. And, um, I hadn't yet read the past, this passage in first Peter four. And I thought, okay, before I answer Angie, I'm going to read the passage to just see if I might have anything to say about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And I got to this part about saying, you know, God has given you a gift from a great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking and then speak as though God himself were speaking through you? Um, do you have the gift of helping do it? And that, to me, that just sort of compelled me to say, okay, this, um, I want to be anxious to do the will of God. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be anxious about worrying about if I say something silly or don't have anything to say. (laughs) Um, So I think, yeah, I I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it's almost just saying, don't be so focused on yourself. And if you are living for God, use the, you, he, he has gifted you and use those gifts for his glory. Don't, don't hide them. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Don't let your anxieties. Don't let fear allow you to say no. Right. To an opportunity. Don't let, don't let a fear of even, you know, I mean, I think to link it all together, don't even let a fear of 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 suffering mm-hmm. um, inhibit you from living out what God has for you. And I mean, that's yeah. So. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's um, just kind of a, a, a charge to say yes when you have an opportunity 
to do something, even if you're not sure if you really have it in you to do it, say yes and God, trust that God will, um, God, God has something for you in that. And um, well, God, I'm so glad you said yes today because this was great. This was a great conversation. I appreciate everything that you pulled out of the text and. This is really good. Thank you for being spontaneous and making the time to do this. You're welcome. Thanks for doing this. It's fun to talk about the Bible with, with a friend. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for 1 Peter 3, 12 through 19. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com.